Good morning. Welcome to my third podcast, More Than Mortgages. I am your host, Katrina Luchasano with Silverton Mortgage. And I am so excited to have my guest, John Withers of How Money Works. I thought that would be fitting for my industry right now. We could use some help on how money works. <laughs> um, John, we I've known you for a few years, and you have such an amazing story. Um, how did you, what was your previous career, and how did you get to this career? Oh, well, good morning, Katrina. And, and first of all, thanks for, for having me. Thank you. Um, my first career, I was very fortunate. I was able to uh, uh, attend the the. Naval Academy in Annapolis, and I was a, a career military officer. I was a helicopter pilot um, in the Cold War, and then I commanded a unit over in Desert Storm. And uh, after that wrapped up, I uh, thought, well, my next gig would be uh, following with the, uh, uh, the corporate world. So I was able to uh, get on with a, a defense contractor, and I worked for, for them for about 10 years. And then I had my my boss's boss, who was a fellow Academy graduate, he pulled me aside and said, okay, you're going to have to make a career decision pretty soon. He said, if you want to stay doing what you're doing, you're going to have to do this and this and this and this. If you don't want to do that, get out now. And so I decided I want to get out now. And wow. uh, so I started my own company. This was in 2005, and mm -hmm. online advertising was just coming online. It was kind of the Wild West days of Google yeah. AdWords and that kind of such. And, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but that was when I really found the limits of what I knew about money. I thought I was a lot smarter about money than I was until I started on my own, my own gig. And so I started my own research. Um, and then through meeting some people and coming across, I was able to get into the financial industry. And I've been there for a couple of years when I found the How Money Works Project, um, which has gradually become a, an organization now. And, uh, and so I was able to... to to put together my passion for teaching and also just, just helping people because I, I was so fortunate in so many ways and yet I made so many mistakes in so many other ways. And uh, one of the things you learn about, especially in aviation, is you don't want to create your own mistakes. You want to learn from somebody else's. And so that's kind of what I want to be able to do is help people, you know, right. not make those mistakes. Well, thank you, first of all, for your service. Um, thank you. So appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I know um, this book, how Money Works, Stop Being a Sucker, really <laughs> caught my attention. Um, and one of the things I just wanted to breeze over was, as the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis states, it means, financial literacy rather, means the understanding of how to earn, spend, save, manage, and invest money. And it says, having a strong understanding of financial literacy will help, will allow you to make better financial decisions that can hopefully improve your day-to-day -day life. And I don't know about you, but for right, for me, every call that I take, it seems as people are stressed out, they're worried about buying a house, keeping the house, keeping up with improvements, mm -hmm. um, going to the grocery store. Um, so how do you use your book to help folks? What is kind of your starting point and what is the goal? Well... Overall, the goal is to basically, first off, it's meeting people where they are. Um, as, as I've said to you before, um, money, we can talk about money kind of in the abstract, but we can't talk about abstract when we talk about our money. You know, yeah, our, our money is a very, very emotional subject. Yes. Okay. And, you know, the basic money skills are, are never taught anywhere. Okay, so uh, so a lot of people just again, it's a situation they don't really know what they don't know. Right. And so typically, what you know about money is what you see 
as you're growing up, if you, your, whatever family environment or growing up environment you have. And, and if you're fortunate to be in a family where they have some solid financial, uh, financial foundation, then you're, you get some good habits right away. If, if not, um, you know, then, then you don't. And that's why you see some of these things kind of perpetuate themselves from generation to generation. You know, my dad was a working class Irishman. Um, you know, he was very typical of the World War II generation. And uh, so he had, a, he had a pension, he had Social Security, he retired at 65, and he was dead by 75. That was very typical for yep. that, you know. None of those are true anymore. I mm. mean, you know, our pensions, I think less than 9% of people have pensions now. The, um, the, uh, I was surprised about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and most, as most of those are like, you know, government, military, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some others. Uh, Social Security is there. I mean, there's a lot of discussions about it, but I'm sure they'll find some ways to, to get around that. But the biggest thing is that people are not living 10 years after retirement anymore. They're living to like 90s or right. 100s. The, the numbers tell us, Katrina, the numbers tell us that somewhere on the planet, there's a child alive today that will live to be the age of 120. Wow. Okay, because of I the, hope that's not me. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so so, so, so the, the answer to that is, is we have to meet people where they are. And, and so it's the idea of, of first... Either, either through conversations or through classes or through getting the books in their hands, where they you know, start, to, you know, start to understand you know, some of the basics and be able to apply that you know, to their own life. The, the, and that's, that's what the purpose of the book is. is and, and to, share with us, if you don't mind, where did the book originate from and um, how, how do you... Yeah. Okay, the, 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 it's written by two gentlemen, um, Tom Matthews and Steve Siebel. Tom is a, uh, he's a 40-year veteran of the finance industry. Uh, he has done nothing else. I mean, he came out of college and you know went straight into the industry, and a lot of this uh, is based on some of the things that he saw. What Steve has done is he was a uh, he's been a, a mental toughness coach and a professional athlete, and he kind of brought the mental toughness side of the equation, you know, to, for people to not only recognize not what to do, not just what to do, but also the importance of doing it and the importance of realizing that it's going to take a little bit of discipline to do. So let's talk about that doing part. I know, um, first of all, for people who can't see, of course, Mm -hmm. with our podcast, I wanted to point out that this book is a super easy read, very easy to read, very understandable. So I looked in the middle section and it says the seven money milestones. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through this, I thought, yep, most people who I talk to are at six. So they've skipped over the first right. through the fifth. So we have the first one is financial education, which is what you're doing with the book. Right. And it, it's both, you know, um, part of financial education is recognizing that the financial industry is the largest, in the, the largest industry on the planet. It is by far the most complex industry. Mm. If you take your industry, real estate, which mm-hmm. is the second largest industry, and the third is, is retail, you add real estate and retail together, multiply it by two, you still don't have the size of the finance industry. Wow. Okay, it's huge. Mm-hmm. So it has its own language. It mm-hmm. has it, and it evolves, especially now with, you know, the, the pace of technology is just increasing, increasing, and there's a whole lot of, you know, um, dark theories about how AI is going to affect all of that and whatever. But, and, but um, so the, um, the whole idea of it is, is it's, you can take a lifetime educating yourself or you can start working with someone who is educated, who is licensed and trained in that area. And so give you that roadmap. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's the first part of education. And, you know, as you said, I don't want to get ahead of you here, but, but that's, you know, as you said, the, uh, when everybody thinks of, of money, they think of the, you know, the, the, how do I go about 
building wealth. Okay, mm -hmm. it would be like, how about go up building a building? But still, there's a whole lot of other things that really have to happen Planning. first in order for that wealth building to basically take root and to be strong enough to survive. Right. So um, just to repeat, the first step is the financial education part to mm -hmm. make sure that you ask these questions, right? You get out there and um, I don't always say trust Google e either, right? I mean, oh, Google, Google is, you know, it, it's like anything else. It, it will throw everything at you. Now, this is where I bring a little bit of background into this because I used to uh, manage uh, campaigns. You know, when you, when you search something on Google, you see all the paid ads that mm -hmm. come up. I used yeah. to be one of the people who used to manage how to put those ads on those places. Mm -hmm. So basically, the ads you see when you are the ones that are, they, they do two things. One, they're very well financed, and two, they work very, very well. Right. Okay, so that's why the, the people that put them there keep, keep doing that. And the finance industry has a lot of, 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 of good-sounding ads that are good for them but may not necessarily be good for you know, the average consumer. Right. And so that's where the education mm -hmm. piece comes in because that's why the subtitle of a book is Stop Being a Sucker. Mm -hmm. You're not a sucker because you're stupid. You're a sucker because you just don't know don't things. Don't know, You can right. be taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so that's what the whole education piece and when working with a, a trusted advocate, like in your industry, mm -hmm. when someone works, you know, someone works with you, I mean, if someone is really wants to learn your industry and go off and do it all themselves. I mean, there's nothing that says they can't do it, but they can save themselves a lot of time and a lot of hassle and a yep. lot of heartache if they work with a, with a professional like yourself. Well, it's yep. the same thing in the finance industry. Yeah, it's like Steve Jobs with Apple, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't develop the computer. He just made it better. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So the second step is proper protection. And I know for me personally, um, those who have listened to my other podcasts know that I am a widow. And thank goodness that my husband was in the financial business, mm -hmm. so he had adequate insurance so that I can not have to, you know, sell my house and uh, move in with my parents, okay? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have to have a GoFund page. I mean, right. I, I hate to say that, but mm -hmm. my, it breaks my heart when I see so many times on Facebook somebody passing away unexpectedly and they didn't have any insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that, that second step, I think that's critical. It doesn't matter if you're single, um, you can get any kind of temporary life insurance for your working years and then a permanent, if you want to look at that for your, um, later years mm -hmm. and then also that disability protection. I think a lot of people, um, and actually right now for me at work, we have our, open enrollment going to be coming up. So sure. everyone out there, take a look at what your company offers because it could be super cheap to get mm -hmm. an extended disability uh, policy or uh, bump up your life insurance if you're not sure um, to go look for it on the outside. What are your thoughts on that? Well, well, first off, if you're working with an employer, for an employer that, that offers benefits, you definitely want to make sure you take the yeah. time to understand your benefits package. And if there mm -hmm. are benefits there that you can take care of, then by all means, you know, continue to do that because some, you know, some of those benefits are reduced or perhaps even no cost. And so it's, you really want to make sure you take advantage of those. As far as the protection piece is concerned, life insurance is, and life insurance is a major part of that, but it, it is often, the, the purpose of it is often misunderstood. Um, you know, most, okay, if I, if, you know, when I die, my, my relatives or whoever I say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get money. And it's like, you know, so it's not going to help me. It's just going to help, you know, my family. Yes. You know? I and, hear that. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I get that. Um, 
you know, so I said, well, I, especially if I'm not married right now, I don't have any, I'm not planning on getting married. You know, I don't, I don't really need life insurance. I don't mm-hmm. have any money to, you know, to, to give anything with. Well, you know, there are, there are other, in addition to having the basic uh, death benefit protection, especially as you're, if you have people that are either partially or completely financially reliant upon you, mm-hmm. then you need to have a plan in place that will continue to work if you're not around to complete it. Right. Okay. And, and you know, I, again, I come from a, from a, a, a military aviation, which is a hazardous occupation. So yeah. I, I went to, in my 20-year career, I went to way too many memorial services for, mm-hmm. for friends of mine and then watched, watched families and just watched how their, their whole situation has changed because they're going through the trauma of losing a loved one. Yeah. And then it may lead to, a, you know, to financial hardship if that person you know, wasn't prepared financially for that. So, but there are other benefits in the insurance and uh, in, in life insurance policies today that, uh, that allow for what we call living benefits where you can yeah. actually benefit from them while you're still alive. Mm-hmm. So and so that's why and again this is where education this is where talking with a with a professional uh, licensed professional uh, makes a huge difference. Right. Yeah. I was going to say too. I know when my husband passed, I had just one of my children who was under eighteen, mm-hmm. and even though I had one that was full time college, she received no Social Security mm-hmm. survivor benefit, mm-hmm. and my son only got it for four months until he turned eighteen. Right. For me, because I was still working. I got the token two hundred twenty five dollars. Um, so, and then when I looked at my husband's insurance, and I thought, well, you know what? Yeah, if I add what his Social Security would have been for however as long as his parents lived, then that still didn't come up to enough of what the life insurance was. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then moving along here, so sure, on sure. our third um, item would be the emergency fund. This is the problem when people buy homes and they have just enough to close. And I'm guilty of it, okay? Mm -hmm. I'll say, all right, we need to show exactly $40,100, and that's what we show for closing. Mm -hmm. And I'm very guilty of that. I feel bad that I have not even suggested to someone, you know, maybe you should make sure that you have at least two paychecks. What do you have coming in after you close? Mm-hmm. Because if something happens that you don't, you're not prepared for with the house, okay, that's going to be a problem. I think the pandemic taught a lot of people this lesson in a very, very bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, you know, who, who knew that the government was going to essentially shut down Right. You know, series of overnight in, in, industries, you know, not yeah. as, as, uh, initially for two weeks. Yeah. Okay. But then, you know, I was in, we were living in Virginia at the time and two weeks stretched into five months very, very, you know, very, yeah. very quickly, you know, so there are a lot of these people that couldn't work, people that uh, were in service businesses, you know, the, the, uh, the gym owners, the hair salon mm-hmm. people, uh, you know, all of those, and, you know, a lot of restaurant people, restaurants were trying to figure out how to feed people and they couldn't bring them in. And, and you find out that, you know, uh, that, if your income gets interrupted somehow, mm-hmm. then a lot, whole lot of bad things happen. I think one of the one of the statistics in our book, Katrina, is that um, according to the recent numbers, that uh, the la- the last numbers I saw, forty four percent of Americans today cannot cover a four hundred dollar emergency without going into debt. I believe that. Okay, 
and and typically that debt means I put it on a, on a credit card, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. which is you know got horrendous you know finance finance charges, you know the twenty twenty one twenty could be up to twenty nine percent. I keep getting mm-hmm. the things in the mail all the time. I'm sure you do yep. too. You know, you get yep. your card and you and mm-hmm. you can enjoy it. Twenty eight point five. Right. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to enjoy a mm-hmm. finance charge like that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you know we we recommend. And it doesn't have to, it has to be available, but maybe not necessarily, you know, 100% segregated, but the whole idea is having it, we recommend, you know, a minimum of three paychecks, you know. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. What mm -hmm. is the recommended? Is that, do you, I wonder if that's enough now. Well, we say, you know, when we look at food costs and. We say three to six. Okay, um, yeah. You know, and, and, and a lot of it is, is comfort level. Mm -hmm. Um. And, but again, it's all, you know, one of the things about the milestones is that, uh, you know, we don't, we try to address each one of these. We don't necessarily address them in isolation and we don't necessarily have to address them in order. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so therefore, you know, our, our, uh, our, our emergency fund has to be available, liquid and dedicated. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's got to be sitting in like a low interest savings account or something yep. like that. So. I was just thinking, I know for mortgages, we can really go up to... Almost fifty percent of mm-hmm. one's gross income. So yep. if you think about it, your net income, and if you have just three of those that net income paychecks in an emergency fund, that could be one month's mortgage. And if you aren't able to, let's say you get laid off, or um, yeah, you know, all mm-hmm. of a sudden your car breaks down with the cost of car repairs. So I, I, I would. Hopefully, people will start to be able to accumulate a little bit more, uh, which brings us to this debt management. Um, so I hate debit cards because when I look at people's bank statements, mm-hmm. it's used to be two pages, three pages. Now it's 10 <laughs> because Starbucks, yeah. Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, you know, Moe's, it's just mm-hmm. we're, we're doing breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack all on debit cards. And I do think that people, it's so easy, myself included, Mm -hmm. to lose track of what your day-to-day things are. And then also the online subscriptions, right? Hulu and Yahoo, Mm -hmm. I mean, all these. So what happens is we end up probably having, I would say, at least one paycheck that we're not even keeping up with, that is just going for that day-to-day stuff. Yeah, um, and and day to day, you know, basically non essentials, right? Type, type yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. You know, back in the, I back in the twentieth century, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, when you're you were kind of self regulated because you 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 spent basically by how much you know cash you had you know in your in your wallet or in your purse. Yes. You know, so you know you're kind of self limiting. That's true. There. You know, you yeah. didn't you did not spend more cash than you had. It, it was it wasn't. But then as as more and more. Um, we got used to more and more um, using debit cards. And mm-hmm. then with the pandemic, where a lot of businesses, you know, say, hey, you know, uh, we're just going to use debit cards. I remember the first time I went to a grocery store, I couldn't pay cash if I wanted to. Yeah, you're to, right. You know, so, mm-hmm. so, but the the other thing about about cash and then writing checks is you used to have to do this little project called balance, balance your, check- your checkbook. Right. That's okay. right. So you would see exactly where your money was going every month because <laughs> mm-hmm. you had to do that. People don't look at their no, statements anymore. You're right. They look at their balance. Yeah. Okay. So you know, it's when I sit down with people and we kind of categorize. You know, I spent that much money at Starbucks. No wonder they they tra- I said, well, you know, those those eight dollar lattes add up. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And then I know cash flow, which of course would be what we were just talking about. Right. What do we have coming in? What do we have going? out mm-hmm. and 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 we look at cash flow two 
we look at both sides of what I call both sides of cash flow. One is what we were just talking about, managing expenses and looking for ways to uh, you know, basically uh, reduce some of the outflow you know, that we have. Um, when, I'm, uh, when I'm talking to a group of people that uh, I'm, I'm not in, not when I'm giving a company class, when I'm giving a class to you know, an organization or, or public, or I'm just talking one-on-one, um, a lot of people are, are asking about, you know, what can I do to increase my cash flow? And, you know, that's where this whole side gig opportunity comes up. You know, yeah. people looking to do things, especially, you know, the, the millennials and the, the Gen Zs. I think the, if, the Gen Zs I've talked to said that, you know, if they could just have like three side gigs and no permanent job, they'd be happy. Wow. You know? So, hmm. I mean, because that's just, you know, the old, being able to kind of do what they want when they want and mm-hmm. not be, you know, you know, not be tied down to the man or whoever, whatever. The, that was our phrase. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is now. But, um, but yeah, it's. And, and so that you can actually, you know, set, you can add, you know, to your income as well. And I, I think that's where a lot of people that are probably maybe 50 and older get kind of stuck as they're thinking about, you know, well, I, I have to get a promotion at my job or a different job. I said, well, maybe not. Maybe we can just do something, you know, on the side, you know, to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. bring in bring in the additional cash flows. We get into a lot of discussions about that as well. And I worked with some entrepreneur coaches, too, that help, you know, with that kind of stuff. Well, that's great. Um, build wealth. That's my category. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fun. That's the fun. One. Right, right. Okay. And now this this is the thing. And of course, when people come to the class, this is the one they want to hear about. And and I think a lot of people are hoping that I'll say because I I have several securities license and I'm licensed in the insurance industry. And I'm th- I'm thinking most people would like to hear me say, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to go out and you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And the 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 challenge is, <clears throat> excuse me is that our our financial situation as is as unique as our fingerprint. Right. You have five different people making the exact same amount of money, you're going to have five completely different financial situations mm-hmm. because of how people what people do with money. So we can't say, you know, especially in a group setting, I can do a one-on-one after I have a lengthy conversation with someone, but we can't say in a group setting, you know, this is what we think you need to do. However, there are four major threats to any wealth building a plan that people have to account for. Mm-hmm. One, of course, is procrastination. They, yeah. have, they have to get started on it. Okay. Two is you have to find some way of dealing with inflation. Okay. Mm-hmm. That usually leads to people looking at the, at the stock market somehow. And of course, that brings in the concept of market losses. So understanding what, what losses can do and then looking at mm-hmm. financial vehicles that can kind of reduce or uh, in some cases eliminate the threat of market losses. And then the fourth one is taxes, making sure that you're, you're thinking about taxes in your, in, your, in your financial strategy. And that, you know, we could talk for you know, a long time about that. And I'm going to stop there because I kind of get worked up on that, that part of the subject. Yeah. Well, I know um, for my industry, um, it's been the inflationary uh, mm-hmm. part of it is kind of interesting, right? Because that's what's increased our home values. Right. So especially during COVID, mm-hmm. people who bought homes almost have doubled their right. equity position, which is a form of a wonderful form actually of um, wealth building. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, though, um, again, if you have family members, you need to make sure that you are protecting that, that asset. So um, what do you have suggestions on for people who, like personally, I don't think anybody should just invest only in real estate. Mm-hmm. I like to see, um, mm-hmm. you know, your 401k. Like you said, nobody has a pension anymore unless you work for a government organization. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, it would be the 401k, real estate, 
Um, I know money market accounts and CDs are very strong right now. What other, um, you mentioned too with um, your investment vehicles, your life insurance, what were you talking about there? Well, I mean, again, generally speaking, one of the best ways is to look at, is to not put all your eggs in one basket. Right. And again, you know, speaking in generality, um, the, uh, um, I, I know a lot of people look at, at real estate as, you know, as a solid investment. They, they recognize, you have to recognize that you know, real estate's going to go up and it's going to go down. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that, you know, hey, my house is doubled in price, we should sell. So, yeah, but you still got to live somewhere. Right. And so it means you're still going to have to buy someplace. And so if it's, if it's a good time, if it's a good time to be a seller, then it's not necessarily going to be a good time to be a buyer. And, you're mm-hmm. gonna, you know, and so you have to, you know, keep these, keep these things in mind. Um, the, um, the the thing that's interesting about the finance industry is that you know for there are there are there are vehicles and I can't get into specifics in a group setting like this mm-hmm. but there there are vehicles that allow you to actually dial in how much you're willing to lose and so you say hey I don't want to lose any more than X percent and they will say okay well we'll we'll, we'll contractually guarantee that but they might limit you on the upside but you're, mm-hmm. you're protected from the downside. I wish uh, real estate yeah, had that. Yeah, <laughs> built yeah, in. yeah, that be nice? yeah. That that, <laughs> that would be nice. Now, now a lot of a lot of those are insurance-based contracts. Um, you know, so yeah. that's you know, so that's but um, so there are a number of. Uh, but again, that's where the that's where the conversation with with uh, some research and then the conversation with a financial professional. You know, someone mm-hmm. that you know that says you know you know hey, this is my situation. This is what I'm looking. This is what I'm trying to do. And 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 we always recommend. I hate to use the word always, but we most often recommend that when you're talking with someone, you try to find someone that is not necess- that's an independent. Okay? Yeah. Um, the the uh, I'm not going to pick on any names here, but if you're if you're an agent for uh, for one specific company, you're going to present that company solutions, which, right. which may be very very good solutions. Right. I'm not saying anything mm-hmm. bad about that. However, you know, one company can't, and every company will tell you this: they can't help everybody. They, right. They can only help mm-hmm. a, a certain segment of people, and uh, so that's why you know being an independent, where you have access to different providers, uh, you know, can make can, can allow the, the the professional to structure something for someone that is very very well tailor suited for them. Mm-hmm. And when you're saying that, I'm thinking about even in my industry where, well, maybe you want to have the beach house, maybe the mountain house as your second home, right. and, and then your main house. What area do you want to live in? Mm-hmm. So that is it all ties together with. What's, I guess, to spread that portfolio out. Right. Um, and then I wanted to just touch on um, with women, because sure. I know when I got in this industry, mine, 30 years ago, um, it was pretty much always, you know, husbands, wives. Um, then, I guess about 10 years in, we moved to, I would see more um, men buying. And then in the last decade, it's been a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, professionals, and they've said, you know what, haven't met Mr. Wright yet. I don't really want to. I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and move. Um, and I can see that there is definitely a difference, though. And I know you and I talked about that. And what was your phrase? You said men tend to. Well, and, and I want to, I, I know the phrase you're referring to. The I, I want to say this going into it, that I, I, I really personally dislike male female stereotypes right okay so but the numbers tell us that generally speaking generally speaking that women on average are better savers than men mm-hmm. 
men are have a tendency to do better in investments because they're willing to take more risks. Yeah, so I like okay. that, though, yeah. because then if I know that, mm-hmm. if I know that that man is a risk taker, well, I want to be like that, mm-hmm. but yet I'm the saver. And why wouldn't the man then say, well, okay, let me take a little bit of what the woman, how they look at their situation. Mm-hmm. They're more cautious. That's why they save more. The men might not save more, but you're right. They're willing to buy the bigger home um, because they just figure, oh, I'm going to see that appreciation in mm-hmm. it. The the thing that we stress with, especially with the, uh, and you brought up the, the women's book that we just released, um, you know, the subtitle of that book is, is Take Control or Lose It. And, and people, and we, we have to make sure that people don't misunderstand what we're saying. We're not advocating that couples start fighting over money, like, the, you know, but, right. but the whole point of it is, is like, if... Whoever in the in the relationship, if it is a relationship of two people, whoever in the relationship is kind of the, the driving factor of the financial situation, it's up to the other person to make sure that they know at least what's going on and, and voice their opinion on it. I agree. Okay. So, uh, you know, now quite often in relationships, often, at least in the past, it's been, you know, the, the, the male partner kind of leading that charge. But, you know, and, and that's that's changing, you know, more so now. But but it's still up to, you know, both sides to, you know, say, you know, hey, this this is what our situation is, you know. And, you know, I I, I know in my in my own case, uh, you know, I, I could not imagine making any kind of a major financial decision without, you know, getting my wife's um uh, thoughts involved okay? yeah because she, she approaches things you know very very differently than i do and sometimes she's thinking about things or she's worried about things that i'm you know that's okay well i'm not so worried about that but if you are then we need to talk about it and that's that's the whole thing and also though that the wife should know where everything is i was fortunate yeah. that i was in an industry a financial industry so mm-hmm. i knew where everything was but and my husband was able to share that with me but right. um and we're going to be wrapping up very quickly here. And I just wanted to ask you, John, if somebody wanted to reach out and attend one of your classes, get this book, what would be the best way? The best way would be to go to our website, which is getsmarterwithmoney.com. Okay, I and like that. Th- that that is kind of like the uh, the entrance uh, to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, you can there's some information there. You can request a book. There's a uh, there's an email newsletter uh, that we uh, that we're publishing on a regular basis with just uh, you know current financial topics and things like that. But also there's some contact information where they want to find out more about either uh, an in-person class or if they're not generally in the Atlanta area, they still want to do more. We do uh, Zoom classes as well for people that can't attend live. Um, We try to limit those for people that are generally out at a distance because we all know how distracting Zoom can, you know, when you're on Zoom, you can do three or four other things and not really pay, be paying attention to what's going on. So, right. but, but yeah, the, the website getsmarterwithmoney.com would be the best place to start. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate it. I hope that our listeners learned something. And um, for me, I just would like to also give a plug or rather Um, Let everyone know that at Silverton Mortgage, we have a golf tournament coming up, and it's going to be held at TPC Sugarloaf, just down the street from the studio here in Duluth, Georgia. It is a beautiful golf course, and at Silverton, we have a foundation where we support families whose children are getting treatment, uh, most of the time, very serious treatment. And um, all of our loans that close, a percentage goes to our foundation. And then we have uh, two fundraisers a year, um, this golf tournament being our biggest. 
That golf tournament's coming up October 9th. We still have opportunities for foursomes. Um, you can come and, and be a sponsor. Um, so please uh, reach out to me. Again, my, my name is Katrina Luchasano, and I can be reached at 678-778-6858. Feel free to give me a text and um, also check me out on social media. Thank you so much, John. Again, appreciate it very much. Appreciate having me. Have a great day.